It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It's Thursday as we sit here recording, which means it's time for a Lockdown Bengals mailbag. And we've got 12 questions, and you don't know this yet, our dear listeners, but we've been working with a University of Cincinnati student. He is a sports administration and journalism double major. He's an undergrad there at UC. His name's Jordan McWilliams, and he reached out because he needed some professional experience with sports professionals, and I guess we loosely fit that definition. And he has been working with us. He's put together our questions for today. So if we didn't pick your question, blame Jordan. If Mm -hmm. we did pick your question, thank Jordan. And he has organized things nicely for us into two segments. He's been doing some of our social media. So just a quick shout out to Jordan because we are directly using some of his work today for the podcast. Before we get to the questions, though, we've got some news to update you on. The Alex Van Pelt news that broke last night as we were recording is now official. We'll take a look at Dan Pitcher's resume a little bit. He has been hired as a replacement quarterbacks coach. And we will take a look at the, uh, what's his name, Lee Steinberg? Yeah, I've never today. heard of him. This guy, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're going to get to all of that here, and we're going to get into the news. We're going to start with the Lee Steinberg quote. This is an agent representing Tua Tango Viola. He was asked if he wants Tua to go number one overall in the NFL draft, and his response was, You want to make sure that your client ends up with a good organization. I'm hoping since he falls in love with Joe Burrow. This comes from 97.3 ESPN FM and just takes a swing at Mike Brown and they have history. Bad history. I mean, they haven't drafted Lee Steinberg players very well. And when they have, um, our good buddy Andre Perota on Twitter even brought up the story of Lee Steinberg's reaction to when the Bengals drafted David Klingler without much uh, notice at all or even contacting him and the shock Lee Steinberg was met with when that pick was made. Steinberg was captured on video sighing Mike Brown's name, knowing that it would be a tough negotiation. Says on camera, they never called, they never said anything. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He also represented a couple other Bengals' first overall picks in Achilles Smith and Dan Wilkinson. Neither of those worked out all that well. He also represented Kajana Carter, who, hmm. of course, succumbed to a very unfortunate and career-altering injury. And Kajana Carter, that's just bad luck. But Achilles Smith and Dan Wilkinson did not work out very well for the Bengals. And I think that perhaps the Bengals would be best served to just avoid Lee Steinberg represented players that would also mean they would avoid Patrick Mahomes and well they did and here we are so but yeah so Mahomes and Aaron Jones two good players Lee Steinberg represents but 
the point of this bringing this up and even talking about it is he probably feels confident in saying this. I mean, everyone knows, the football world knows, the Bengals are going to end up with Joe Burrow first overall, and it's a cheap shot and an easy shot, so he took it. And in addition to there just being bad blood between Steinberg and Mike Brown, hypothetically, we think, it also is just a way for him to control the narrative a little bit too, right? He's saying, oh, I've got this great quarterback client. He's not going to go to Cincinnati. There's no way the Bengals are seriously coming off of Joe Burrow unless something unforeseeable happens so i Mm. might as well just take this pot shot because i don't have any players on that team right now anyway i just hope the bengals don't end up drafting another player that he represents now moving on from lee steinberg's radio appearance and on to actual bengals news the bengals announced that in lieu of alex van pelt who is left to be the offensive coordinator in cleveland where reportedly he actually will be calling plays Dan Pitcher, who is said to be a rising star in NFL coaching ranks, will take over as quarterback's coach. Yeah, we don't know much about him other than he's been brought up with the Bengals as an assistant for a few years now. Andy Benoit, a film guy that formerly of SI.com, he tweeted out today that he's one of the young, brilliant minds in the game, and he thinks he will have a lot of success in front of him. So, from our perspective, uh, it seems like he's a hard worker, a guy that takes a lot of notes and is smart. But, I mean, honestly, until you're on the job, I guess it's hard for us to, pro- to project what he'll do. He's obviously learned a lot being around quarterbacks, coaches. He was brought on by Marvin Lewis. He was kept by the new regime. And just one year into Zach Taylor's stay in Cincinnati, a guy that he kept as a holdover has been promoted He was actually thought of so highly that he was, in addition to an assistant quarterbacks coach this year, he was a game situation manager for the Bengals this year. So he had some additional situational coaching duties. So a lot of things in his favor, not in his favor so much as that this is his first time as a quarterbacks coach. He started coaching immediately after he finished playing quarterback in Ithaca, New York. He played at Cortland State. He then coached at Cortland State. Then he eventually made his way to the Bengals, where now he's got his first shot at a real position coaching job in the NFL. And you either couldn't ask for a better situation with Joe Burrow coming in, or you couldn't ask for a more stressful situation with a franchise quarterback coming in. And that's what Pitcher has ahead of him. Probably have some damn Pitcher questions in the mailbag anyway. Looking ahead for the mailbag here in just a minute, we'll get into draft and free agency questions first. And then there are some questions about the organizational structure, some of the personnel that are around the team. So we'll get into all that here in just a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew 
is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You listen to a Bengals podcast, so I'm assuming you enjoy football at a deep level because the Bengals were not an enjoyable football team to watch this year. But what is enjoyable for the teams that are playing anyway is the Super Bowl, and we haven't talked about it yet, but it's finally that time of year. You've got a feeling who's going to win, who's going to bring home that trophy. You don't want to miss out on your last chance to get your bets in before the NFL season ends. My bookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled. And you can even visit mybookie.ag party now to access a principal prop sheet for the big game. And just like all year, we've got another great offer. If you deposit now, they'll match your deposit halfway, and that's free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be the last chance to take advantage, so sign up now, enter promo code Locked On when you make your deposit. That's promo code Locked On to give your bankroll a jumpstart. My bookie. Play, win, and get paid. It's the mailbag edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast, and this is my favorite episode. I think it's yours too, Jake. We're going to jump right in. we got questions here, and they're all fantastic. That's why you got picked for the show. First one's from One A Day Chuck. What up, Chuck? Outside of quarterback, what's the biggest need for the Bengals, and would it be smart to trade up or down in the second round? Well, if you listen to our Mock Draft Monday, which I'm assuming you did, and if you didn't, go listen to it, we found ourselves in a position where we think that trading down, depending on the way it goes, makes a little bit more sense. And this also depends a little bit for me on what happens with Cordy Glenn and Andy Dalton. Because if they manage to get third, fourth round picks there, you're happy the way this draft class seems to be shaking out. But if you don't have those and trading back to pick up an extra third round pick, again, depending on who's available, could make a lot of sense. But if a guy falls out of the first round that you really like, Well, then you're going to stick there and you're going to take the guy that you have 10th on your board because no one else had him 10th on their board. Now he's at 33. As far as what the biggest needs are, I mean, you, you can pick one of several. You could make an argument for essentially every position on the team, I think, outside of running back. And I think defensive end, I think you can't make an argument that it's the biggest need on the team. Probably defensive Mm -hmm. tackle, too. It's one of the needs. I wouldn't say it's the biggest need. So then you're talking about linebacker, which is an obvious glaring need, at least before free agency. You've got offensive line somewhere in there, just a guy on the offensive line. There's an argument for wide receiver because we don't know what's happening with A.J. Green. The rest of these guys, you don't know what you have in most of them, or they're unreliable or have been unreliable corner there's no corners of the future on this team unless you're putting your hopes on fifth round pick Darius Phillips and then safety Sean Williams didn't have a very good year last year so you can go to any of those positions and and try to make a case so of those though linebacker feels like in terms of not value in the equation linebacker feels like the one that they need the most and I would narrow it down to I agree with all your points, but I would narrow it down to linebacker or guard and and probably left yeah. guard. And for me, they're different though. Linebacker, it's a it's a blank canvas, right? You have Jermaine Pratt and that's it. You really don't have future, you don't have immediate, you don't have a veteran, you are just with Jermaine Pratt. You gotta figure out like five of those guys yep. this year. Uh, whereas offensive line is in desperate need of an upgrade. 
but you could kind of start a lot of the same guys you did. I know it was a bad unit, but, you know, you hope Michael Jordan gets better. You hope Billy Price gets better. John Miller on his good days wasn't bad at all. You would take a good John Miller, but he's inconsistent and dealt with injuries. Uh, So I I think when you look at it, what is more important, and we're going to talk about value of linebacker a lot this year, and as we, we need a guy, and value of protecting your franchise quarterback, I think that's when it pulls it a little closer to make it hard for me to decide because I think a, if you find a bigger upgrade at guard than you do at linebacker from Nick Vigil, it's going to make a bigger impact on the roster overall and on the offense and the team overall. So I, I would say left guard is the biggest opportunity to upgrade. So for me, I guess that's my weird definition of the biggest need. And, and I think you can make a very compelling argument for corner as well. If you assume Drake Kirkpatrick's gone, you, you have a very uncertain future for every other position. You have one more year of William Jackson. You have yeah. a free agent in Darquez Denard. You have B.W. Webb, who wasn't very good. And you have Darius Phillips, who's promising, but young in a fifth-round pick. You can't rely on him. So right. just the way you make an argument for the guard position, I think you can make a similar argument for corner. And corner is generally thought to be a more valuable position than guard. So for sure. it is a very hard question to answer. From a pure talent perspective, it's linebacker. From a value perspective, it starts to get a little bit more nebulous. Our next question, though, comes from S. Mosser 10. Who are the top five linebackers to target in the draft? And where around in the draft would you be okay with taking them? Well, it's early still because we still have a major part of part of the evaluation still to check off. But obviously, as of right now, um, we're looking at Isaiah Simmons and from Clemson as the number one guy, and he's more than likely going top five, I think. Maybe six, seven, five. eight. He's going top – I wouldn't be surprised if he All went right. four. Yeah. Uh, so – or even three. I don't think that's crazy. We got to see how everything shakes out still. But that's the range potential for height, uh, for as, as high as he can go. And then obviously we have Kenneth Murray, who may be number two. There's some talk that Patrick Queen out of LSU may be number two. So those are two and three at this point. I think they will shake themselves out as we go. And that's Murray out of Oklahoma and Queen out of LSU. Now I think it gets a little bit more difficult for four and five. Some people have Zach Bond out of Wisconsin there. I'm not so sure I'm on that mm-hmm. just yet. Yep. Uh, I, I'm interested. I want to see how he tests. He didn't look overly athletic when I saw him you know, in person at, at, in Mobile. I just thought he looked mostly like a guy, but he was playing off the ball linebacker rather than more edge like he did in Wisconsin. So let's see if he can be versatile and do both. I didn't see him win as a pass rusher either in Mobile. So I still have a lot of film to watch. I still got to see how he tests. And for me, I really liked uh, Jonathan Grenard from, from Florida. And when I was down there, because his athleticism actually showed. His power actually showed. He actually could rush the passer a little bit. And then he dropped into coverage and looked really smooth for one of the bigger guys, one of the biggest guys there. I think he's a Sam linebacker in a, a 4-3, or he can be some an edge hybrid type mm-hmm. if the Bengals want to continue to do that. So for me, he's probably a late second, early third, and that might be the gap because Vaughn may also be a late second, early third yeah. guy, similar to last year where we're looking at, we liked Jermaine Pratt, but we were very aware that he was a third-round pick, I think, though, the entire process. Bengals may be in that situation again if one of those guys aren't there at 33, one of the top guys. I think you also have to mention Troy Dye here because he, as a cover backer, is going to be considered by many to be a top-five guy, especially with Queen's weird rapid ascent. He went from our, our, our Benjamin, uh, I don't remember his last name, does the grinding, the mock stuff. He tracks the yeah. the mock draft positions Robinson. for all these guys and yeah ben benjamin robinson and and he's got queen coming up from like the fifth round 
And now if he's like a first round pick based on what a, a national championship game that was good. I, he's athletic, but I think that he has a lot of work to do to really excel me on a number one a first round prospect. This isn't out of the ordinary for juniors, though. If if especially if you weren't on the radar squarely, yeah. and yeah. then even Duke Tobin talked about it. They are eighty percent done with like their tape grades. The 20% that they need are the underclassmen yeah. that really they needed to go back on. So if people are going back and looking at them and watching them and half the people are like, whoa, I really like this guy, that's going to get the buzz going for top 40 pick. I don't think any of it can diminish what Troy Dye offers as a prospect, though, as another athletic guy who's fairly polished. And that's my big concern with Murray. Murray and and Dye and Queen are very different players, right? Murray is more of your... He's just stiffer. I don't trust Murray as much in coverage. And by that, I mean like carrying a guy deep down a seam. I think he has athleticism. He has burst, but he doesn't quite have the agility. And we'll have to see how these guys test. Like Joe said, that's a big question mark, but not asked to do as much of that. And I watched Akeem Davis Gaither, similar criticism there. Like a lot of athleticism, undersized, has a hard time getting off blocks, but there's not a lot of tape of him getting deep. There's not a lot of tape of him, for example, in the cover two you know, Tampa two deep middle linebacker role. It's a lot of short stuff, slant hook zones, a lot of QB spies. So I think there's a lot to figure out with these linebackers. And I think we also have to figure out what the Bengals want in these linebackers yeah, based on what Nick Vigil, based on free agency, based on how they played the first half of the year and the second half of the year, first half of the year, they pretty much allowed their guys to get picked down in coverage. And then second half of the year, I think for me, Pratt was, targeted 11 times in the final eight games it was and same with vigil those guys they just kept them and said we're gonna make you throw to the boundaries and throw to our outside guys which makes the most sense for how they're constructed so will coverage be a premium i mean they everything they almost need everything so i think they should be open to it all i go on to the next question now is from beast mode 916 who do you think the Bengals should go after on defense in free agency and when i mean go after I'm referring to realistic options the Bengals might be interested in. How do you say that Bears linebacker name? Nick Piatkowski? Kwiatkowski? Yeah, that's one. I mean, you talk about realistic. I think there's a chance the way that the beat writers, the people close to the team are talking about Joe Schobert, I think that there's a chance that they get into the Joe Schobert race a little bit, depending on how much money is going to end up there. I... I fear who they're going to go after, honestly, on defense and free agency. I think that they're going to misallocate money again. And until they prove otherwise and make a free agent signing that I really like, that's kind of my my standard operating procedure and outlook right now because the guy that's going to make the biggest difference to this team is Corey Littleton. Full stop. Last year, there were some linebackers we talked about on this show that would have made a big difference for this team. And they just, they they weren't close. They, They didn't have any interest. And the complacency worries me. Look at the three free agents. It was just three, right? I mean, I'm doing it in my head. Yeah, okay. But uh, B.W. Webb, Preston Brown, and Kerry Wynn on defense last year. I mean, okay. No, not not great. Uh, how do you want to classify that? I'm nervous also how they attack defense. Um, and I because part of me, I think they could just resign Nick Vigil and then draft yep. a guy at linebacker. And they're kind of like, okay, we're hoping another third-round pick is the guy. We're hoping Jermaine Pratt takes a leap. That's tough. We better be scoring thirty points a game. Uh, if you if that's, that's the route you take, I mean it. It might be, and they're closer to scoring thirty than stopping someone from scoring twenty. So I I would also continue with that if that's uh, if I'm got one hand behind my back as the Bengals tend to do. 
Uh, my point on Oh, that's what it is. I wanted to bring up just one other guy that we wrote down from previous free agent outlooks episodes. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, the other guy from uh, Chicago. I think that could make a lot of sense. It, it's going to have to be that second, third tier, I think, guy. And we'll find some favorites. Yeah, we'll have to get into it. And we'll continue to get into the free agents. And we have a bunch more questions to get to. But before we do, we've got to talk about our great local sponsors. The first one of which will be Abco Safety, a Cincinnati-based safety distributor and they have been hooking up our listeners that are buying stuff with some swag somebody got in my dms today said he got a handwritten note from bob over at abco safety and bob is a guy that has driven the sponsorship and he got some free gloves joe what are you looking at today i'm actually looking at gloves kevlar gloves and they got kevlar sleeves and i just think you know if my family was ever murdered by a mobster i mean like the whole family i'm gonna go get some kevlar stuff I don't know if it can be yellow like kick-ass or something, but I'm going to go get my revenge with some Kevlar. It says it's five times tougher than steel. And that is the point of Kevlar. Check out their website at www.abcosafety.com. Keep in mind that things listed here are retail prices, and they will establish corporate pricing with their corporate clients. Give them a call, 513-672-1818, and mention Locked on Bengals so they know you came from the podcast. Maybe you, too, will get a note and some swag. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go. Not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there, go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona, take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Jumping back into the questions with at Bengal. Is it fair to say that wide receiver class is so deep this year that there will be options at wide receiver available at the top of the fifth round, say, who are compared to second-round talents in other years. I think that is a bit much. Maybe like the worst receiver class compared to this class. You might have one guy at the end of the second who's a little bit comparable to one guy at the top of the fifth. But the NFL gets this wrong all the time too, right? You see guys come out of the fifth round who are productive NFL receivers. So it's a little bit hard to make those comparisons in retrospect. But no, if if it's a second round talent, he will get drafted in the second round or maybe the top of the third round. I think once you get in to the second, third, fourth rounds, you might see guys, you know, 10 to 25 picks later than they would be in a scarcer drafted wide receiver. But because it's a good class of receiver, it just means you're going to see a lot of receivers that are good get picked early. You might see a couple guys that you like because there's good depth in the fourth and fifth rounds, but I think it's going to start thinning out faster than you might think. And this is why we've leveled the criticism at the Bengals in the past that in these really strong years, it's not that you wait for the guy to fall. It's you you find a guy who you like, who's good and you pick him appropriately. 
Right, or that they're still there, right? The Marvin Jones pick, if you, I had him as like the 37th player in the class, so I had a second round grade on him. I thought it was more than fair that if he would go in the second round, I wouldn't have batted an eye. So when he's still there in the fifth round, I'm like, geez, they better take him. And they do, you know, because they probably had a high grade on him too. So that's kind of the, the give and take. Plus, if you look at second round receivers lately, they're outplaying their first round counterparts. Completely. Look at the year we took John Ross, right, with Corey Davis and Mike Williams going. And Juju Smith-Schuster in that second round is is outplayed all of them. Uh, the year before, Tyler Boyd and Michael Thomas, Sterling Shepard, have completely outplayed their first-round counterparts. Most of those guys are complete busts besides, I mean, Will Fuller, if when he's healthy, is good. But, uh, you know, he's John Ross, basically, for the Texans. Point being is, second round this year is going to be strong. There's going to be a lot of second-round grades on receivers. And those guys are probably still going to go in the third and maybe even the fourth round. There may be a straggler or two that end up there, uh, which is great because if you wait and you want one and there's a very good chance they're the best player on your board when you get to the third, fourth. And I even think fifth round. It doesn't mean it's going to be a second round guy in the fifth, but maybe a third round guy in the fifth. And part of this is that NFL teams are going to have obviously very disparate grades on these players and you're going to see Denzel Mims for some teams is going to be a second round guy and for some teams he's going to be a fourth round guy and that's why you get these guys that fall but this is why we talked about how nice it would be for the Bengals to pick up some extra capital in those three four mid rounds it would just go a long way this year but shifting gears getting off of the draft shifting toward some organization questions some players on the team right now Blue Bengal 1835 asks about updates on Rodney Anderson. Is he a possible option for a second or third running back in 2020, Joe? I think the first time we'll get a more official update will be spring when they sh- everyone shows up for conditioning. And just that's usually right before the draft in that range. Uh, other than that, I think when we talk about Rodney Anderson, he's a bonus player. He is. And I think that that's what that was the draft pick. He would have been a second or third rounder had he have been even relatively healthy last year. But you get him as late as you do in the sixth round because of his injury history, and right away it strikes for the Bengals. And he looked good in his limited time in preseason. But that So when, when you look at him and look at players like that, they're, the pick right away as soon as they did it was a bonus pick. If you get anything, it's probably going to outperform where you picked him. Uh, but I think you, uh, you're you just playing with house money and you didn't waste anything. You didn't spend a lot. And if he can play for you, great. Yeah, I'm not counting on Rodney Anderson at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he retires with an injury settlement. I hope, I really hope he comes back and has a healthy NFL career, but his injury history is just piled up big time. And you would love to see that talent get back out there. And we'll probably find out more about that when optional team activities start uh in the spring next question then comes from chico ruiz 564 how do teams gather information on what players other teams might draft the bengals often say stuff or maybe more aptly teams often say stuff like if we hadn't taken drew sample someone else was going to take him soon how do they know does that come from the teams or is that coming from insiders how does that information get around joe i think largely not only do these teams and people, these colleagues talk to each other, but they try not to get specific once that time frame comes in, but they do talk, I think, but largely it comes from back channel stuff. And even on my micro level of what I do, 
there's a, a, a trade of information. It could be an agent calling and saying, hey, um, you know, I've got this guy. What do you guys think? What kind of grade? What should we our ex- expectations be? You know, if you especially if you're a day three guy that could go undrafted, you're trying to get a better feel for for where that could happen or, or you know, setting your expectations. And the team will open up on it, but they may say, well, you know, does somebody else have a higher grade? What, do you, what have you heard from other teams? It could be a, a draft analyst. It could be reports that, that surface. And that's why the smokescreen stuff happens. That's why we call it lying season, because there's a reason those reports get to the surface sometimes. It's because either a team is trying to deliberately throw you off or it was a trade of information between some big reporter and the team. And he, you know, let it float to the surface and let it be known. Uh, so I think they get a pretty good feel the same way we would get a feel, Jake. We read reports. We read, you know, we have an understanding of these players, how they fit, how they would uh, work with that team. The interests, bringing them in for visits are a, a, a big key. Uh, teams have filters and, and things they usually like, connections that you can pretty much pick out. I, I think they have a fairly good um, book of information on these guys and, and have a good idea where they're going to go. And it's their full-time job too, right? They've got NFL scouts that are figuring out what other teams are going to target, what their draft profile is trying to look like. I mean, Joe, last year you came up with the threshold and average for a variety of different productivity and uh, just body measurements and, and, and combine times that the Bengals tend to draft. And other teams are doing this, right? Like they have all they have the that data info. that we have and way more. Mm-hmm. So – it's it's probably easier for them, right? Like that's probably somebody's full time job. Is what are what are these four teams going to be doing in the draft this year? What do they tend to draft? What what are the things that we think they're going to try to do? And they're not going to always get it right, but you're going to have some ideas. I think the Drew Sample thing in particular, though, was we heard from some of the draft analysts that they were hearing from other teams that they liked Drew Sample, and that the speculation was that he might have gone soon. But remember that this comes after the Bengals likely got swindled on a trade back with Denver and probably missed out on Dalton Reisner. What's our last question, Joe? Well, I just want to add one more thing to that. Say like Drew Sample gets picked, and if you're a reporter of any level and you have some contact, you're like, whoa, how about that pick, right? It's a surprise, isn't it? And he would reply, no, actually, we had him as a third rounder also. We were targeting him. You know, someone may respond with that, and that stuff happens. So that's how it ends up going out there that we see it as – Oh, no, someone else would have taken him soon. We don't know if that's the case, uh, but, you know, you at least get some information on that. Last question is from Ronson92. What will it take to get fans back at Paul Brown Stadium? You see the Bengals' Twitter account today asks, with the first overall pick in the draft, the Bengals select dot, dot, dot. And I read through some of the replies, and it's just a whole bunch of purple and gold, a whole bunch of Joe Burrow, a whole bunch of ultimatums you better pick joe burrow that that's step one if they screw this up and get themselves into uh you know i don't want to play for cincinnati situation or they fuck it up well i think that's their fault if if it comes to that right Ah. i'm not blaming joe burrow if he says if it gets because so far he's saying i'll play for cincinnati i'd be happy to play for cincinnati that would be an honor and, and it would be something they would do that would have to turn him off. Mm-hmm. If they pick Chase Young, I mean, you might get some people coming down for Columbus, but everyone that listens to us is probably 
looking to sell their season tickets. And, and so are a bunch of fans. So they need to get the draft right first. The other thing they can do is they can make good signings in free agency that actually mm-hmm. matter. Don't yeah. go sign Preston Brown. Sign Corey Littleton. Don't go sign Bobby Hart. Sign uh, Joe Tooney, right? Sign these guys mm-hmm. we're talking about that are big spending contracts that are going to make a big difference to your team, especially Joe Tooney. I mean, easy one, right? He's from Dayton. We've talked about that on the yeah. podcast before. Like, that's an easy hometown sell. So you do those things. Hey, maybe you start a ring of honor. Maybe you announce that you're going to break ground on a Bengals Hall of Fame just the way the Reds did. And, and, and you start to say, you know what? We're going to start putting some money into this too. And those things build some goodwill with the fans of Cincinnati. Oh, for sure. I think you sell out week one by drafting Joe Burrow, by signing a top-tier free agent, either at linebacker or offensive line. You could do two, but I think doing one – plus a bunch of mid-tier guys, second, third wave guys, like kind of how the Bills did. They went and paid for Mitch Morse, right? Made him highest paid center. We'll, we'll get you. And then they signed like five other offensive linemen and two receivers and some defensive players. So like that would be something where I'd go, whoa, look at them go out there and fill up this roster, at least one side of the ball. If they Even if they decided that, like all three levels, we need to get a free agent in here. I'd be like, great, sounds good. Let's do that. And then you... I even I would have said right there you'd probably get a sellout. You'd get enough excitement. But I think extending Joe Mixon would win fans over. I it, whether we agree or not with it, right? I think that a lot of people would be like, "Yes, good job." And then I think the other part like you just mentioned to show that you are in this for the long haul in terms of uh putting everything into football and all the um and all the amenities that the top teams have, the, the resources that players want, and that may include like a practice bubble or an indoor facility of some sort, a uh, ring of honor, just, you know, something to up the level of this team cares a little bit more than it's perceived. Yeah, there are a lot of ancillary things that the Bengals could do that would show that they're trying to build a winner. I mean, look at Carson Palmer's comments, right? You can hate Carson Palmer all you want, but when he says that the organization wasn't dedicated to winning a Super Bowl, he is not wrong. That is not an inaccurate statement. We have to be honest about that with ourselves as fans of Bengals. Ideally, we'll be honest with themselves about that and change their approach. And that's what we want to see, right? We want to see them do what Carolina is doing. We want to see them trying what Green Bay is doing. We want to see them trying relentlessly to win. That's it. Don't put a competitive team out there. Put a team out there that's trying to win. And if you fall on your face sometimes, fine. But you got to try. And, and you right. can't just settle for the middle ground. And I think that's what it's going to take. That'll, that'll start rebuilding the relationship. Because right now the perception is you took our money, you built a stadium, and we haven't got shit to show for it. And they got to start showing that they're worth that investment that the city made. Anything else, Joe? Yep. I was just going to put an, an analogy into the um, into the podcast here. I, I can handle some strikeouts if you're swinging for the fences, right? Um, I feel like the Bengals are always looking for the walk, and that's not very exciting. I think you start swinging for the fences and people are going to show up. But if you walk enough, you would win. The problem is they're trying to walk. They're still striking out, right? And right. It's, 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 you, you can it's, swing for the fences to strike out, or you can take four pitches and three. It's not Barry Bonds at the plate. They're, they're, they're up there with an average guy on base percentage. Yeah. That's a baseball analogy to wrap up the show. This has been your Lockdown Bengals podcast mailbag this week. In case you missed any episodes, we did a mock draft Monday. We talked about some free agents. We talked with Ben Baby. 
And today we took a mailbag. So if you didn't listen to this episode, you listen to this episode. We'll be back Monday. We're moving our Mock Draft Monday to recording on Sunday. So we'll get back into another Mock Draft Monday for your next episode. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.